This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hello and welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about the breadfruit. Yeah. Which is neither a bread nor... No, it is a fruit. Well, it's a bundle of flowers. It's a lot of things. That you eat. A bundle of flowers that you eat. I hope that clears everything up, everybody. Yep, end of the episode. <laughs> I have never had breadfruit. This is one that angry people will write about, like, I can't believe you've never had it. Yeah, I've, I've never I've never had it either, so send send away those angry emails. Actually, or, please don't. Or, <laughs> <laughs> we will have to rectify this at the first opportunity because it sounds amazing, it and uh, the story of it is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Our um, sister podcast, Stuff You Missed in History Class, did an episode on it a long time ago uh, in a podcast booth far, far away, or in Buckhead. In Buckhead, yeah. Yeah, um, way back, way back when Katie and Sarah, I think, were the hosts. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. That was a a long podcast away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, How Stuff Works even has a, a small article about it, um, which it would not surprise us if Ridiculous History eventually covered. Oh, yeah. Because it's a little bit ridiculous. It is. They should they, If they don't invite us to cameo on that, oh, man. we're going to have some podcast beef. I keep going like, hey, guys, why haven't you invited me back yet? And they're like, oh, we thought you were busy. Oh, man. The judgmental look on your face. I can't believe they haven't <laughs> quelled under the pressure. <laughs> 
Anyway. Anyway, yes. The breadfruit. What is it? How it knew? How it do- Goodness. Oh, that's a very big question. It is. It's a very big question for a very big fruit. The breadfruit is the fruit of a tropical flowering tree, Artocarpus altilis. And it's related to the mulberry and jackfruit. There are a couple other species under Artocarpus and a couple hundred cultivars of breadfruit. But basically, the trees range from like 20 to 80-ish feet in height. That's about 6 to 24 meters. They've got glossy green leaves. The flowers are tiny, tiny, tiny and come in these dense clusters attached to a spongy sort of spear or, or rod or ball. These flower spears tend to look a little bit like corn dogs or like ears of corn that have had all the kernels taken off or mm-hmm. like weird, slightly oblong golf balls. Yeah. I have somebody somewhere. It's one of those stories that was told to me so long ago that I can't even remember who told it to me or who it was about. But I know somewhere in my past, somebody thought, like a kid, thought those little stalk spear things with the corn dog looking things on the end. He uh, thought they were corn dogs and like oh, no. picked one up. He thought they grew in fields and went <laughs> to eat them <laughs> and was in for a shock. That's that's amazing. It is. Well, luckily they're non-toxic, so. Yeah, and it's a memory that to vaguely recall in the middle of a podcast. That's delightful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Both male and female flowers grow on the same trees, and uh, the female ones will develop as this cluster of thousands of flowers into a single compound fruit, uh, sort of like the pineapple, if you all remember that episode. Like, as they grow, all the flowers fuse together and form the part of the breadfruit that is eaten. Um, the base of each flower fuses together to form the rind, and the resulting fruit looks like a like a spiny or lumpy uh, kind of yellow-green ball or, or oval that can range in size and shape from something like a baseball to something like a human lung. Ah, that's what I like to picture when I think about food. fruit. <laughs> yeah. human, the human lung, lung yeah. Uh-huh. The breadfruit is also sometimes known as the tropical potato and is honestly fascinating. One of the interesting things about it is that you can eat it at any point. When it's immature, it has a flavor similar to artichoke hearts. Um, the immature fruit can replace vegetables in a recipe and are often pickled or boiled. The mature, unripe fruit can replace potatoes in recipes, steamed, baked, or boiled. The flavor at that point is something between a potato and a plantain. But as it ripens, the texture grows more and more custard-like and can be enjoyed raw. It kind of reminds me of durian, which we do have. We're just Oh, yeah. Waiting. Yeah, we're, we're waiting for the right time and place. We are. Outdoor place. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yeah, it can be enjoyed raw or cooked. Um, once it's ripe, it is also used in, it's frequently eaten raw, but it's also used in baked goods and other desserts. And yes, I, I've heard it described as like a durian in texture, um, but not so garlic funky. In, <laughs> not in, so durian in, in taste. flavor. Yeah. Um, s- s- sort of just, just nice and sweet, maybe a little bit tart, like maybe a little bit of pineapple kind of flavor in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh. Once it once ripe, it does rot fairly quickly, um, and researchers are looking into ways to extend its shelf life by drying and shredding it. Some varieties have seeds that are edible um, and apparently similar in flavor and texture to chestnuts that can be roasted or boiled or ground to make a sort of meal. Huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And the male flowers themselves, those corn dog things, are sometimes candied and eaten. Those corn dog things. <laughs> 
You know, those things. Those things. Despite sharing the texture of a potato and having a high carb count, the breadfruit itself is gluten-free. Just about all fruit, vegetables, and grains, except for wheat, barley, and rye, um, and some specific things like glutinous rice, are gluten-free. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And boy, howdy, are they nutritious. Um, calcium, copper, fibery stuff, iron, magnesium, niacin, omega-3, omega-6, phosphorus, potassium, thiamine, vitamins A and C. A mere half cup will give you 5 to 10% of your recommended daily allowance of protein and 25% of your RDA of fiber. And Hawaii's Breadfruit Institute of the National Tropical Botanical Garden lists multitudes of ways to eat breadfruit in casseroles. In a type of potato salad, curries, pancakes, breads, fritters, chowders, dips, a veggie burger, pate, chips, nachos, alongside corned beef, in beverages, in flans. You can also put it through a food press processor to make a dough substitute. Uh, yeah, dried and ground breadfruit flour can be used to make everything from like tortillas to bread to pastries. And it, of course, can also be fermented into alcoholic beverages of various kinds. Of course. And if you aren't impressed already, the breadfruit has other uses. The male breadfruit and leaves are a great insect repellent when burned. The sap is great for caulking and as a chewing gum. I'm very intrigued by that. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, like, a, it's like a latex kind of stuff. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. The bark can be used as a fabric and fallen fruits and leaves can be used in animal feed. So lots of things. Lots of things going for the breadfruit. Absolutely. If we look at some numbers, a breadfruit tree can produce an annual 50 to 150 fruits, which is one of the highest yielding crops in existence. The fruit itself can weigh up to 12 pounds, about five and a half kilograms, while the tree can reach 85 feet or 26 meters. Or even bigger. I've read all kinds of reports about they can, they can last a long time and get pretty big. Mm -hmm. um, and they are self-propagating. Um, you don't need seeds in order to grow new breadfruit. Uh, new saplings grow up from shoots off of established trees. It will take a few years for a new tree to mature, but once it does, it will fruit for dozens or even hundreds of years. Yep. And breadfruit is grown in over 90 different countries, and in the Pacific Islands, more breadfruit are grown per hectare than rice, wheat, and corn. Dang. Dang, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Got so excited I gesticulated and hit the mic stand. <laughs> It's that level of excitement in here, folks. It really is. <laughs> We're going to get into some of the history of the breadfruit, including a famous mutiny. Yeah. But first, we're going to get into a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. 
If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins. Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Breadfruit originated about 3,000 years ago in the area that is now New Guinea. In 300 CE, breadfruit, along with coconut, sweet potatoes, ginger, and bananas, arrived to Hawaii via Polynesia as a canoe fruit. Ancient Hawaiians believed the breadfruit to be sacred. They called it ulu. They planted so many breadfruit trees that some groves could feed 75,000 people. The plant provided raw materials like wood, obviously, but also was used for crafts and medicine. And breadfruit remains a culturally significant staple food in the South Pacific. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uru are, are still uh, Hawaiian terms for the fruit yeah. used today. Mm-hmm. And um, the French Polynesians have a legend about a famine that occurred. A family of six was living in a cave and were desperately hungry, enough so they were eating ferns. The father, miserable at watching his family wasting away, buried himself in the cave, promising his wife he'd transform into a tree, bearing fruit to feed his family. Sure enough, when his wife woke up the next morning, there was a breadfruit tree, an uru tree. Uh, That area is now sometimes referred to as Tua Uru, the valley of the breadfruit. Some locals give uru another name, the tree of life. It spread throughout the Pacific um, from New Guinea, And when the Europeans discovered it in the 1500s, they were amazed at the bread-like texture and smell of roasted breadfruit, hence the name. Pretty much all of the European languages use a word for bread in their name for breadfruit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So about that mutiny. (laughs) Yeah. Well, first, before we get there, along comes Captain James Cook. In 1796, after making landfall in Tahiti, Cook and his companion, Sir Joseph Banks, stumbled upon breadfruit and realized that it could be a useful crop in places with similar tropical climates, a.k.a. colonies that were producing sugarcane. Yeah. Banks thought the prolific trees would be an excellent and inexpensive source of food for the enslaved peoples living in the Caribbean colonies. Yeah, that were making this whole sugarcane thing happen. So convinced was Banks of the value of his idea that he presented it to King George III, saying, quote, Regarding food, if a man planted 10 breadfruit trees in his life, he would completely fulfill his duty to his own as well as future generations. He requested a special expedition with the sole purpose of retrieving breadfruit trees and replanting them in the Caribbean. 
And of note, Banks was the president of the Royal Society at the time and a patron of Kew Gardens. He's sometimes credited with being one of the architects of globalization. So, big, big dude. Yeah, big deal. Big historical fellow. Mm-hmm. His request was granted. Huzzah! Perhaps not. Mm. Not? Not huzzah? Not huzzah. Mm. Perhaps not. Um, William Bly was made captain of the HMS Bounty in 1787. And his mission from the Royal Crown? To transport 1,000 Tahitian breadfruit trees to the Caribbean with the intention of using the highly nutritious and energy-boosting food to feed British slaves. But all was not well on the Bounty. Mm -mm. One journal described Bly as brutal. It took 10 months for the mostly healthy crew to arrive to Tahiti, behind schedule enough that they missed their window for transplanting the trees. So they had to hang around for another five months. A lot of the crew, of course, found themselves Tahitian mistresses. When the time came to leave, a lot of the crew wasn't on board. But Bly made them get on board, literally, (laughs) unaware or uncaring of the resentment of his crew. And some stories say that part of the problem was that Bly was was rationing out a short supply of water on board and, like, favoring the trees over the crewmen, which led to not less resentment. Oh, sure. I can imagine. Yeah. So (laughs) the crew mutinied. Several men armed with bayonets broke into Bly's cabin one night, binding his hands behind his back and bringing him up to the deck wearing only a shirt. Bly demanded to know the reason behind the mutiny, and the only response he got was, I have been in hell for the last fortnight, sir. In hell. Aw. No. Okay. Um, of note, the Marlon Brando played that guy in the 1962 movie about this, and I really missed an opportunity <laughs> to do a Marlon Brando accent, but it's for the best just for everybody. <laughs> I would have had fun, but no one else would have had fun. Oh. Yeah. Well, I can admit what accents I can do and can't do, and this is really not an accent. It's an impersonation. But either way, it would have been a, a failure for all to hear. You can, you, you can check out the film Mutiny on the Bounty. You can. If, mm-hmm. you, if you want to hear it for yourself, not yeah. through the filter of Annie. <laughs> yes. You absolutely can do that. Bly and 18 others were forced overboard in a longboat. The mutineers sent them on their way with some pork, biscuits, water, and six quarts of rum. All thousand trees went into the water. Twist. Oh. Yeah, I guess they were pretty mad about that water rationing thing, if it's true. (laughs) They were like, screw these trees, we're going back to Tahiti. Take that, trees. And they did. And they did. But Bly and his mini crew were wily, and in what is called one of the greatest feats of seamanship of all time, they managed to navigate their ship through mostly uncharted water, without a map or a compass, to Timor, making an early stop at one of the friendly islands, uh, that's what they were called, not that the islands like were friendly, friendly. Because they weren't. No, because the indigenous peoples chased them away with rocks and killed one man. The crew decided to make minimal stops after that, and food was strictly rationed. Two ounces of biscuit and a little water a day. And every Oof. now and then they got some pork. Um, every now and then they got some rum. The journey took 47 days oh. through heavy storms, and they covered 6,701 kilometers or 4,164 miles. They stopped at Kopang, starving, sleep-deprived, and that's where three of the crew died of fever. Oh, Like, not man. on the whole journey. They made it there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. From there, uh, they made their way back to Britain and commissioned a second trip, this time on the HMS Providence. 
no mutinies were had, <laughs> and five years after his first mission failed, Bly succeeded. Or mostly. Many of the 2,000 breadfruit trees on the ship died due to flies, cold, or the, quote, unwholesomeness of sea air. Hmm. 678 breadfruit trees arrived in the West Indies. And a few of those trees first planted 200 years ago in Jamaica bear fruit to this day. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. The locals did resist it at first, though, eating it only when other options were limited. It took 40 years for them to develop a taste for the breadfruit. Yeah, uh, the population of of Jamaica fed it to pigs at first. Um, to, To be fair, the mature but unripe fruit is kind of bland and can be described as like mealy mm-hmm. um, and it can go pretty mushy if you overcook it. Mm-hmm. Once you figure out how to deal with it though, apparently it's great. It sounds amazing. These days, scientists think the breadfruit could be useful in the fight against hunger. Um, after all, there is a tradition in parts of Polynesia to plant a breadfruit tree when a child is born to guarantee that they won't go hungry. Oh, Since the 1980s, a researcher out of Hawaii National Tropical Botanical Garden, NTBG, Diane Ragone, followed the DNA breadcrumbs of breadfruit all the way back to parasite breadfruit. I mean, the first. They call it Eve. Oh. Breadfruit <laughs> Eve. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try to get as many Parasite Eve references in this show as I can. I So far, you are succeeding. <laughs> Who knew? You're really doing it. <laughs> Thank you, Lauren. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. In 2003, uh, Ragone helped found the Breadfruit Institute at the National Tropical Botanical Garden. And yeah, the, the institute is partnered with uh, the charity Alliance to End Hunger to bring the breadfruit to areas in need. Scientists are also working to find the species that contains the most protein and also the ones that are most accepting of salt as sea levels rise. Uh, Ragone and her fellow researchers say that this one cultivar from Samoa surpasses soybeans in terms of protein content and quality. And yeah, um, they're, they're hoping that this kind of research could help places like Hawaii that currently import over half of their food become more self-sustainable. In 2009, Josh Schneider launched an initiative to put breadfruit trees all over the world called Global Breadfruit. The group put 14,000 trees in 10 different countries in 2016. A Costa Rican native, Diana Chavez, took some of the breadfruit from the trees the organization planted and started making chips out of the fruit and putting them in grocery stores. Yeah, like like fried chips are one of the most popular mm-hmm. ways to eat. I mean, once you fry anything, it's pretty great. Yeah. But apparently they're super delicious. Apparently. She gets a lot of requests for them now. Yeah. At first she had trouble selling them, and now people are like, where are the chips? More breadfruit chips. Yeah. <laughs> I need them. Mm-hmm. In 2010, the Breadfruit Institute partnered with the Global Hunger Initiative, which distributed 90,000 trees to 40 countries over the next five years. And in 2016, the FDA ruled breadfruit flour safe for consumption here in the United States. So right. you might see it out there in your uh, gluten-free baking aisle. <laughs> you you just might. Mm-hmm. So it's had a really fascinating just story behind the breadfruit. Yeah, I – yes. It's a little bit more hopeful than a lot of the tropical fruits that we discuss on this show. This is so, true. Yeah. And we've got a little bit more left in this episode today. But first, we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. 
Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes. Uh, so, by a little bit more in this episode, I meant... Mostly. Listener mail. Ah. Yeah. I feel like we were jack in, jack in the box in that one. <laughs> I was like, are we cheerleading? I'd be sure. <laughs> we have to communicate through body language. <laughs> and sometimes the communication, <laughs> the message gets lost. But it's like a game of telephone. I don't know. Like I was picking yeah. up something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what? Good question. <laughs> but something. <laughs> okay. So Sarah wrote, first, I did not eat a hot dog this 4th of July, even though I really wanted to. I decided to make it my cheat day and take full advantage of it, so I made rib dogs. Oh. Mm-hmm. Basically just hot dog buns with slow-cooked barbecue ribs, bone removed in them. Oh, no. Yeah, and she attached photos, and they look amazing. Oh, heck. The sauce smeared on the buns was made of yogurt and wasabi and yogurt and Dijon. Any strong flavored condiment mixed with yogurt can make a legit low-cal dip. Totally holds up. She also wrote in about uh, the discrepancy between, um, we didn't mention this because I totally forgot about it, but how uh, hot dogs come in tens and buns come in eight. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, but she continues, everyone who grew up in China is familiar with our version of hot dogs, which I kid you not is so much better than the garden variety Franks. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> They're called Huo Tui Chong, which literally translates to ham sausage. <laughs> They're like Spam made into hot dogs without the edible casing, but firmer and less mushy than Spam. They come in this red wrapper with a metal ring on each end. This is a staple in literally every Chinese household, at least during my generation. They're good for everything. Sautéed, thrown into whatever soups, Jian Bing. 
which are Chinese crepes recently caught on here in the New York City food scene, known as Bing, as snacks eaten just by themselves, picnic food, literally everything. I remember every time we had a field trip or a family outing, these things were always there. And one of the most common uses that'll trigger so many Chinese people's memories is having them in instant ramen noodles. It's as common as having cheese on your burgers. The metal ring can be a challenge to take off, so a lazy way is to twist it in the middle as if you're wringing a towel. It'll divide into two little sausages, and the middle part of the wrapper should be easily ripped. Then you suck the sausage out of the wrapper bit by bit, like with Freezy Pops, <laughs> or <laughs> eat it like a normal human being, peeling the wrapper off. And she sent us some, and we have them here in the studio. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah, we got this package of these, yeah. <laughs> we got them this very day, correct? Uh, sometime, yes, soonish. Soon. Relatively close to this time that we are which recording this episode. <laughs> yeah. That was definitely a sentence, y'all. We're going to we're going to Please bear there. with me. We're going to stick through it. <laughs> going to stick the landing. Stick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Uh it's they're very brightly colored, and I am excited to eat one. Yeah, there's a line on the front. I'm excited to eat all of them actually. I, I, I yeah. I didn't get a hot dog either for Oh my gosh. For Fourth of July. So I yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned in the episode we did on hot dogs that I have like two a year. I ran that race. The uh, the, the Peachtree ten K. Peachtree ten K. Uh-huh, which is a fourth of July race, right? Yes. And I got I didn't know this at the time, but I got heat exhaustion. Oh, oh. I I finished a race and I got a really good time, but I got heat exhaustion and um there's no food at my house and I, I was like, could not get up from the couch, and my friend went and bought me a package of hot dogs, and she cooked them all, and I just like, <laughs> I didn't put them in buns, I just ate, you just the, ate meat, the hot dogs, like one after the other, and I think I had six. It was a lot of hot dogs. Yeah, yeah. I I, I texted you about it. You did. You did. Um, I did. You have a relatively enjoyable experience doing it. Oh yeah, they were great. Well, there you go. See. Yeah. Happy ending. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I guess you kind of like made up for my for my lack of lack of hot dogs. Yeah. I suppose we balance each other out, but we do have this now. We're very excited to try it. I can't believe I didn't. I probably did see these in China. I just didn't know what they were because um, they kind of look like cigars. Sure. Or like jerky. Yeah. Like they remind me more of like a jerky because yeah, they're in these long tubes. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. A second Sarah wrote in. I'm a native Ohioan, but spent the past year living in South Dakota. There was a restaurant in the lobby of my office building that had authentic skyline chili for reasons entirely unclear to me, as nobody there was from outside of South Dakota. They had a skyline-topped hot dog listed on the menu as a chili dog that I would sometimes order for a dose of nostalgia and indigestion when I was feeling particularly homesick. One day, they had a baseball special advertised on their board, described as a coney dog with chips— They had been out of the chili for months, and I was so excited at the prospect of having a Skyline dog again that I immediately ordered one. They asked what I wanted on it, and I said the chili was fine. They explained that they were really sorry, but they had been out of chili and unable to order more for a while. I questioned why on earth they would have a daily special based completely around a menu item they were unable to order, and they were baffled. They explained that I was still able to get a hot dog, I just couldn't get chili on it. 
nearly half an hour later, we discovered that they thought Coney was just another name for a plain hot dog and didn't realize it had anything to do with a chili topping. I never realized I had such passionate opinions about hot dogs until forced to explain that a Coney is a very specific type of hot dog. And if you're advertising it, you better make sure it has some kind of meat sauce on it or else. I was so scandalized, and my husband, a South Dakota native who has been thoroughly educated on the delights of Skyline Chili, Coney Dogs, and other Ohio delicacies, was so entertained. That's pretty hilarious. <laughs> I Yeah, there's so many different types of hot dogs. I wouldn't have known. I think the subject line of this email was like a Coney. What, so what exactly is a Coney anyway? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Sarah does apparently. Yeah, yeah. Oh goodness, I, I feel I feel like the term "coney" in in my research about hot dogs could be used to describe a number of different hot dog configurations. Like there were like different regional conies. Oh boy! Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh man, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna touch this. Yeah, yeah. No, I backed away slowly from that one. <laughs> it's like I'm gonna get myself in trouble. Yeah, I. From this this message, I would say that's probably accurate. <laughs> I love it. I love how people have like. Oh yeah, it's beautiful. It really is. Yeah. Um. And 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 certainly, I've never seen the term coney applied to a plain hot dog. So. Yeah. Yeah. That was a risky, a risky move, advertising wise. Yeah. Mm. But uh, thank you so much to both of them for writing in. If you would like to do that thing, you can. Our email is foodstuff at howstuffworks.com. We're also on social media. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at foodstuffhsw, also on Instagram at foodstuff. We do hope to hear from you. Thanks, as always, to our amazing super producer, Dylan K. Fagan. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.